Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Michael Gallagher with Nashville Hockey Now. You can follow me on Twitter at MGSports underscore. Lots of good stuff up there on the website. A potential top line. Have we figured it out? I saw you tweeting, Michael, and writing about it at Nashville Hockey Now. We'll get into that today. Some news and notes from around Predators camp. They have final roster cut down on Monday, October 9th, and then the season starts on October 10th on Tuesday of next week. There's only a couple of players, roster spots that are sort of left unknown uh, as uh, a couple of guys hit waivers. They added a guy off of waivers, so we'll get to all the news and notes from around camp uh, that you've ob- you've observed. I know they focused heavily, the Predators did, on special teams on Wednesday. You were there, so we'll get your thoughts on that. And most of the day, though, however, on this week's episode, we are going to focus on the Central Division, give you some quick crash course uh, updates on the rest of the teams in the Central Division, and, of course, where we think the Nashville Predators will finish. Our final, final 2023-2024 predictions. Michael, that means we have to give everybody receipts for what we're picking this season for the Nashville Predators. This is our last show before we have actual hockey games to talk about. I'm excited. How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm ready to get going, man. I'm, I'm kind of sick of... I, I love training camp in the preseason, but I also hate training camp in the preseason because <laughs> it feels like it drags on for longer than two weeks. I'm ready to watch games that matter. And for for those of you that have been freaking out that the Predators have not won a game in the preseason, to quote Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X, it's going to be okay. A lot of these players that have been playing in the preseason aren't going to be on this roster. I think if there's anything you can take away from the preseason, it'll be from the next two games. And if they lose both of those games, guess what? It still doesn't matter because it's not the regular season. They did score four goals, though, uh, which is nice, which I think is as many as they had in the first three games. But yes, they are 0-4. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's the if it wasn't for Joachim Kemmel, though, they probably would only have had two goals in all those games because it seemed like he was just scoring everything for him. So, well, maybe he maybe he's up uh, up earlier than we think from uh, Milwaukee to Nashville. But I've been but telling you all for the last six months, the kid's going to be dynamite. That's neither here nor there. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, and, and maybe again, a lot of your observations. But before we do, the gold standard is brought to you by our friends over at Jaspers. It is. We've got a full fantasy league ready to go. Uh, now I was told that 14 teams, there were so many of you guys wanting to get in that we are now at 14 teams, which in a head to head NHL hockey league, which I am fairly new to, I think I've played in in an NHL fantasy league, like one other time. And, uh, you know, it it does leave the goaltending. There'll be some slim pickings in the goaltending. It's going to be some chaos after the third round. I feel like (laughs) also 14 teams. You can have shorter rosters. That means some Nashville Predators will be viable options in the fantasy squad, right? Because if you have only only superstars on your team, then there's no place for some of those Nashville Predators. But there'll be some defensemen drafted, certainly, of course, and maybe a couple of forwards. Obviously, the goaltending, which is going to be a big part of our preview because tandem goaltenders, they were ranked by ESPN and Nashville, number one in the Central Division. We'll get to where they're ranked in the NHL, but a big part of our preview this this week is going to be focused on the goaltenders. And I imagine in a fantasy league where you have to play, there's 14 teams and you have to start two goaltenders each each week, each day. I mean, that only leaves like a couple of teams with starting goaltenders not on a roster, which means we're all going to be rostering backup goaltenders and trying to find, you know, the, you know, this year's uh, Philip Gustafsson, if I could say his name correctly, uh, who didn't play very many games last year for Minnesota, but was like, you know, 31 or whatever goals saved above average. So, or Jeremy Swayman. There we go. There'll be a lot of those guys. Uh, maybe even, maybe even uh, Kevin Lankinen will, will get a roster spot. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. Uh, go to Jasper's, of course, the next evolution of the sports bar. Great drink specials for Predators games, home and road. If you cannot watch the game at home or don't have uh, the time or resources to get into the stadium, please head down to Jasper's. The parking is free. You can always find a place at the bar. You can always find a place in the um, the game room. They've got an air hockey table. They absolutely cater to Nashville Predators fans. So now that the season is here, please, please, please go check out Jasper's. We will be there throughout the course of the season. I maybe have some ideas up my sleeve to get Michael Gallagher down to Jasper's, maybe for some watch parties. Just floating it out there. Just floating it out there. Maybe. Maybe, maybe go watch some road games together. I'm really uh, making you and Jasper's work 
to to get me into the the establishment. It's it's yeah. part of my goal. The more the more I don't go to Jasper's, the more we talk about it, and it's more things. So really, Jasper should be thanking me. Yeah, yeah, that's what normal advertising revenue <laughs> revenue relationships look like. Jasper's, Reverse psychology, man. Jasper's paying us to try to convince us <laughs> to go to their restaurant. That's what it is. Uh, no, go to Jasper's, everybody. Okay, I I want to get your thoughts in general on <clears throat> what you saw in practice throughout the course of the last week some of the news and notes from around the team, but I want to start with a tweet and an article. That's right. How every good podcast starts, a tweet and an article. Yuso uh, Parson played 15 minutes in the last preseason game, finally back onto the ice and uh, played a lot at the end of that game, played a lot on the power play, by the way, but at the end of that game played with Philip Forsberg and Ryan O'Reilly. He's then now been practicing with Philip Forsberg and Ryan O'Reilly. You tweeted, do the have the Preds found their first line? And I'm adding question mark. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they. I don't want to. Once you throw something out in the ether on on social media, people will never let you forget it. So if game one rolls around and Yusuf Parson somehow on the second or third line and not on the first line, I'm going to have people coming at me. But I, I honestly think, from what I've seen in camp, he's probably their best bet on that first line. And that's that's no disrespect to Luke Evangelista, Phil Tomasino. Tommy Novak, any, anyone else that could possibly fit that role. But I just, I feel like with as, as much as much of a fan as Barry Trotz is of Parson in and just the way that Andrew Bennett has used Parson in, in practice and during camp and just watching him today, I know he's, he's battled a little bit of injuries over the summer and he missed, you know, the first little bit of training camp because of those injuries. But since he's been back, he's looked sharp. He watching him today, granted, I was right on the ice because where the media is allowed to be closer to the ice when you're at a practice rink than at the NHL games. But we were right on the ice and he Parson just I forgot how much like he's not like a big dude. He's not Michael McCarron big, but he he's a pretty solid dude. And I was watching him skate by. He just looked a lot faster today. He looked sharp. He was on it. He was moving well. Um, and it looks like he's really I think knowing that Andrew Burnett was coming in to be the new head coach. I think he's someone who you can tell has really worked on his offensive stuff. His passing is on point, his vision, everything that goes with with crashing the net and trying to score goals there. And it looks like he has some pretty decent chemistry with Forsberg and O'Reilly. So I even I tweeted today, I wish every time I, I it's like I have this this radar that goes off that a good play is about to happen. And for some reason, I'm frozen and I can't get my phone out to video it. But I, I saw this was going to happen right before it did. And they were crashing the net and Parson, in, I think O'Reilly passed it to him and Parson in did this awesome between the legs, no look pass to Forsberg and Forsberg scored a goal. Granted, just it's just a drill, but that takes a lot of skill to, to pull off. And it was impressive. And I'm mad at myself. I don't have video so everyone else could have enjoyed it as much as I do. <laughs> but stuff like that, that is that is what you want out of your top line and out of everyone that they've tried on that top line. I know they had Cole Smith on there for a couple practices and they've, they've toyed with some other guys up there. And I know a lot of fans want Luke Evangelista on that top line, but if you want results and you want a good mix of speed, skill, grit, everything, not just a, a gung ho offensive line. I think Parson makes the most sense up there. Well, it's interesting just thinking about our conversation last week and, and listening to the the team talk over the last couple of weeks about, and, and Brunette about it's basically you know, it's it's pace, it's speed, it's t- but it's timing and spacing and location. You got to be in the right place at the right time, and then know when to be in a different place, and then move to the next place. And uh, you have to be confident in your movements. And it's while Parson is a fairly young player, I think he's what twenty two years old. It, it it's it's he's got far more experience than than Evangelista, for example, in terms of just getting up and playing big time minutes. I, I feel like he does make some sense from a. Do I fit into the scheme? Do I know how to function? Do I know how to operate? Do I know where I'm going? Do I know how to get there? Am I capable of getting there? Am I physical enough? And then I need to get back. And it feels like he's got sort of the most, to your point, all of the skills to be in that role. Uh, I didn't expect to enjoy or like the idea of him playing on the right wing at the top line as much as I do. I do kind of like it. Yeah, and it's something that he he also enjoys. He even said this. If you go to Nashville Hockey Now and read the the story we have up there on Parson and uh, by Nick Keezer, he even said he's like, my confidence level is high. He's like, I'm having fun. I want to play with these guys. I enjoy playing with some of the top players. He's like, it makes it easier because I know how some of the stuff works having played here last year. He's like, but also there's new stuff. You have to prove yourself every day. And I think he, I think Parson is one of the guys that responds well to being challenged. There's some other guys on this roster who I who I think can improve in that area. 
I think Parsons one of those guys that that genuinely enjoys having someone come out and challenge him to do something that either he needs to improve in or something he hasn't done before. And he's responded well, and we're seeing it by him practicing. He's on line rushes on the top line. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if they if they break camp and on opening night if Yusuf Parsons on the top line because quite frankly he's earned it. What's the second line look like in your opinion? If you had to guess. Oh gosh. Um, in all honesty, this was another one of my observations from today, and I was talking to uh, Clay about this. I, I think Tommy Novak is the number two center. I, and don't get me wrong. I, I like Cody Glass. I love watching him play. The kid is a lot of fun to watch, and he's someone you root for just with the story, the adversity, everything going on. I think Tommy Novak has done enough to earn the number two center. And that's not to say that Glass hasn't. But Tommy Novak, if you're going through your camp standouts, Tommy Novak has got to be the, the first or second or third guy you mentioned. Mm. He's, he's been impressive. The offensive ability, every that's the biggest question about Tommy Novak in particular. And one of the biggest questions about the Predators is, can he keep up the scoring pace he had last year? I don't know if he can. I think he has the potential to. He's someone who scored a lot of goals in camp, and I know it's just practice and scrimmage and stuff like that. But he looks like his offensive game has taken a step forward. He's always been really sound defensively. He's the kind of player that can, like I said, you know, on this podcast several times last season, he can play with pretty much anybody in the lineup that you put him with. But I really think that he's poised to, to be the number two center. I may, I may be wrong, but I think he's done enough to, to do that. So if I'm if I'm going best case scenario, if Parsons, Parsons on the top line with Forsberg and O'Reilly, I'm probably going to go Novak, Evangelista, and then either probably Nyquist. I'd probably go Nyquist, Novak, and Evangelista is my second line. Wow. So then you got Glass and Tomasino on the third line. What what was this? I thought we just had a whole conversation about making sure Tomasino's in the right place to succeed with top line minutes. There's there's a difference between what I think they should do and what they will do. Yeah, I that's true. I, I think and we can talk about this in a minute. Tomasino is one of those guys that I think doesn't respond well when he's challenged. I think he's that's not to not to knock him as a player. I think he can rise to the occasion, but I think he's been challenged so much that it's almost, I think in his position, it's almost just like, when are you going to trust me? And that's just the kind of sense mm -hmm. I get from him. First round pick, he proved himself with his 70 games in the NHL two years ago. He, I mean, he's been humble. He said the, it was a learning experience going to the AHL last year. He's he's taken it on the chin, you know, as, as well as you can when you play a full NHL season and then get demoted to the AHL. Um, and I, and I think, I think Nick had another story on on Nashville Hockey Now too. Is about um, was it Carl Taylor and kind of of what he's looking at as he's getting ready to the Admiral started camp yesterday, well Tuesday, depending on when you're listening to this. And Carl Taylor said that there's been some players that are Barry Trotz wants everything to be earned. He wants it to be on merit, and he he made a point to say um, that there's some players that are being challenged, and there's some players quite frankly, that that basically still need to prove themselves. And, and he didn't say Tomasino's name, but he he kind of hinted to it. I'm going to try to find the quote real quick. Um, well, and, and I can I can while you're doing that, basically, interesting story. You should go read it again about sort of Carl Taylor's philosophy and what he does and how he coaches and how he develops players versus what Andrew Burnett wants. And they do have to mesh those two philosophies and how it's going to be. Uh, it's not going to be a one all all 100 percent Carl Taylor and all 100 percent Andrew Burnett. They're going to have to try to find some sort of balance and medium. And some of that's just, you know, having the same language for the same schemes and the same designs yeah. and the same plays. But really, it's about like, hey, I need you to develop this in this player. Here's how we want you to go do it because this is how we want him to do this, whether it's a zone entry or a four check or whatever. Uh, you know, this is how we want this player to execute this particular thing. You need to teach it that way. And that's hard to do right out of the gate. Like it's going to take time for that, yeah. the two philosophies to mesh. And, and good on Carl Taylor. It's, it's a pretty ballsy move to go to the guy <laughs> yes, that yes. got the job that you interviewed for and to be like, look, I know you're the new sheriff in town, but I need the creative freedom to run my team the way I want. I will do most of the stuff you want, but I need some leeway to run my team the way I want. And he said they reached an agreement to where it's going to be roughly 80% of what the Admirals did last year. And the other 20% is going to be the new stuff that Burnett's asking him to do, some of the stuff that you just you just mentioned. So go read the story. A lot of interesting stuff in there and how the dynamic dynamic between the Preds and the Admirals are gonna is going to shake out this year. But the quote I was looking for, he says, okay, you get assigned to Milwaukee. The message from Barry Trotz leaving Milwaukee, he said, I was in some of these meetings, is now you have to go and make Milwaukee. And that was a message to a first-round pick to an American League, to someone who signed an American League contract and has been here for a couple of years. You connect the dots, 
Hmm. Philip Tomasino is pretty much the only player that he could possibly be talking about. Askarov's only been there for this is his second year. Some of the other of the other uh, uh, first round picks and players that are there just it seems like it, that's kind of pointed at Tomasino, and I feel like they've challenged him a lot. Um, it was the there was one of the preseason games against Tampa Bay. It was the one at home. Tomasino, I think, was credited with four shots on goal. He had six or seven actual shots. A couple of them missed the net. And he couldn't score. He scored in the last preseason game. And I think he's someone that is like right on the cusp. They just want to see a little more. And we can talk about this a little bit too. I think going out and claiming Samuel Fagimo, I think that was a, a subtle warning shot, if you want to call it that, to Philip Tomasino to be like, hey, get your get your stuff in gear because we're, we got someone else that could potentially do some of the same things you do. Well, so that, that was my next question was going to be, what do you expect them to do on Monday when they have, have like basically three spots they need to cut? Uh, they put Mark Jankowski on waivers, but they signed they signed off of waivers. Uh, the gentleman you just mentioned, Fagimo, he was a second round pick in 2019, but he scored 27 goals in the AHL last year. This is a guy who I think it was like, I want to say 27 goals, 13 assists, something like that. Basically, this is a, a, a goal scorer. And yeah. but but so I guess take take people through what has to happen with the last few roster spots because they've got basically 26 guys. They put Jankowski on waivers. They signed somebody else. So they're still at 26. So they basically need what three cuts between time of taping here on Wednesday afternoon and Monday when they have to be down to 23. Yeah. And I mean, look, Mark Del guys, was going back to Milwaukee unless, unless he just somehow some way does something crazy to convince them that he's better right now than Lozon Fabro or Carrier. I just don't see it. Um, I don't think I don't think Delgado is better right now than Jake Livingstone. And if Livingstone's in Milwaukee, I don't see why Delgado isn't. I think he's someone they have high hopes for, and they want to get more of an extended look. I think this is more of a, him being on the roster still is more a, to benefit him in his development long term than it is about him actually making the roster. Um, so that's one. So, yeah. So you look at that. So there's one. Um, Nolan Burke is still technically on the roster. He's here rehabbing an offseason injury. He had surgery. Um, so there's another one. And I think you're looking at there's a lot of interchangeability in the bottom six and they rotate a lot of those guys the last couple of practices you're basically looking at sherwood uh jankowski's in milwaukee now he was in the mix too you're looking at sherwood mccarran cole smith uh Fugimo, and i think that's probably gurianov i think his his roster spot safe but i would throw i would probably throw him in there too and i i've talked Weird. about this with, with nick and clay if you you go and you claim Fugimo, He's someone who was a, a former second round pick of the Kings. He he just just in February, he was the number 10 ranked prospect in the Kings organization by the Athletics. So it's not like this kid just suddenly forgot how to play hockey, but kind of like Ellie Tolvin was, you know, last year, there just wasn't a spot for him on the Kings roster. And he's unfortunately is at the point where they have to expose him to waivers. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately, that's because the Kings are going to be very, very good this year. Um, yes, they have a lot of really good young talent there. Um, well, so I first, my first thought was Rem Pitlick, not from a like a a on ice like comparison standpoint, but just from like a career path standpoint. A guy that you know, pretty solid prospect, not an elite prospect, but a solid prospect that got a little cup of coffee here and there, has some AHL success, and then just doesn't have a spot, and so you end up putting him on waivers, and everyone's kind of like, wait a second, that guy seemed like he was pretty good, and then he goes on to play elsewhere. Although Pitlick, while he was had some moments of success for Minnesota, is now I believe with Peter Laviolette in in New York, so. Uh, I don't know. Is that a fair comparison in terms of talent and quality and where he's at and just his career path? I think the story is a little bit similar, just to kind of bouncing around and not quite finding, like carving out your your spot in the roster. Um, like I said, LA's LA's really talented. They got a lot, of, and that's the problem. They have a lot of really good young talent. It's not like they're loading up their their. It's not like it was last year when Tolvanen basically got placed on waivers, or if you even want to go with Rem Pitlick. Pitlick basically got placed on waivers because David Poyle wanted to keep Nick Cousins on the roster. And I get it. Nick Cousins filled a role, but the upside of the potential of Pitlick, I thought was too good to be putting someone like that on waivers and losing him for nothing. But I digress on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's similar stories. I, I do think Fagimo has higher upside. Um, he's projected as a middle six kind of forward during his draft year. There were a lot of scouts that were in agreement. He has 20 goal potential. Um, he's got he's got a dynamic shot. If you watch some of the video clips I tweeted out, or even just go on YouTube and watch, the kid is is he excels in the offensive zone, which is really good. That's what the Preds can use in their bottom six. Um, 
26 of his 60 goals in the AHL have also come on the power play. So you're looking at a kid who half of his goals have come on the power play. That's that's something the Predators really need help with. That's something that's been an Achilles heel for them. So it, it makes all the sense in the world to, to keep him on the roster. If you keep him on the roster, though, who who do you think is going to be gone? My personal opinion, I think it's Kiefer Sherwood, just because those are the two players that have, have skill sets most similar. It, it, I I don't think the Predators are thinking, let's keep Sherwood, let's keep Fagimo because they're both really good offensive, speedy kind of guys. I think they're looking at, let's keep the best one that has that skill set, and let's keep the best one that has that grinder, defensive, kind of gritty, you know, bottom six forward, which is where McCarron and Smith and some of the other guys come into play. So you you mentioned, though, a bunch of those names, and you're saying Tomasino is, is not at risk of being sent down. You think Philip Tomasino is... I mean, I, I would assume he's on the roster on Monday, but... <sighs> Sounds like you're hinting at something else. I I would not be surprised if Philip Tomasino gets sent to Milwaukee to start the year. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I I've talk about I've, sending a message. I've heard Luke Evangelista will be on the roster. I I haven't heard the same thing about Philip Tomasino. And that's not to say that look, once October 9th comes around and Philip Tomasino is on the opening night roster, I won't be surprised. Yeah. But don't also don't be surprised if it's, he's in Milwaukee. It seems insane though that you would keep Sherwood, McCarron, Smith, and Fagimo and send Tomasino down. That that seems nuts to me. That no, seems- I, I I agree. I think there's a spot for Tomasino on this roster. I do think yeah. he could be he could he could excel in the top six. And it might be something where we look at um was it Parson last year? He got sent started the year in Milwaukee, but he came up like what was it, 10, 15 games into the year? It might be yeah. something like that. Yeah. It, again, it's not the All end right. of the world, but I think if we get to the midpoint of the season and Tomasino is still in Milwaukee, then you start worrying. But well, I'm 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 already I'm already at worry. I'm uh, I, I would put I'm honestly worried. I would put Tomasino. I think Tomasino playing with Glass on the third line or even on the second line. I think as long as he's playing with at least one other offensively kind of skilled forward like that, he'll be okay. But who what do you do with get you put Gary Onoff on the third line then with? Glass and Tomasino and make it a scoring line. Uh, it's possible, I guess. And then you have Sissons and Trennan and uh, I guess Smith or McCarron on the bottom line. Like, I, I don't know. This It's very interesting yeah. what, the, what they're going to do. I, and that's, that's the beauty of it. I don't even think they really know what they're going to do. Because if you ask some people around the league, Garyanov is kind of like a, a grinder forward. You ask some other people, uh, some people in the Predators organization, and they believe he has that 20 goal potential that yeah. he flashed a couple of years ago with Dallas. So, I mean, the opinion of 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 what Dennis Garyanov can be or what he is right now changes from person to person, which is why I wouldn't be surprised if he somehow is in the top six. I think he's more of a third or fourth line player. But Garyanov, Glass, and Tomasino, I think that's a pretty solid third line. I, I want to see Nyquist, Glass, Tomasino on the second line. I, I think that's see, an even better second line, but I, I want to we'll, see Novak, we'll see. Novak with Evangelista, and then whatever else you want to put on the left wing. That will be interesting. And look, uh, yesterday, sounds- yesterday during the line rushes, they had Tomasino in the third line with Novak and Evangelista. That Ooh. could that, that very well could be their second or third line. That sounds fun. there. There's there's infinite combinations to piece together these players and the way that you want th- that Andrew Burnett wants to play. I, but I mean, it, it, just just from talking to people, listening to Carl Taylor's interview. All this stuff. It seems like Tomasino is someone that they're challenging, that they want to see more out of. Whether the, whether they've actually seen what they wanted to or not, I don't know. Well, but to your point about putting those three together, Novak with his speed and pace and tempo up the middle, Evangelista with his just sort of hockey IQ and skill set to get to the right place and get the puck to the right place. Like, like then it then it, they put all the pressure then on Tomasino to get to the spot because it seems like you're going to have Novak pushing play and tempo. You're going to have Evangelista distributing. Uh, to some degree, as much as a winger can, and then you you want Tomasino finishing the job, like he's the finisher in that group. Him and I mean yeah, Novak, and I, guess, I will say in the, in the in the preseason, that's that's largely what he's done. He's had a couple breakaways. He's been the guy out skating everyone else in the defense and, and going to the net. Yeah. That's that's kind of the bread and butter of his game. And he's lost some weight. He said to improve his speed to help him do that. Uh, take advantage of that. That's look everything that the Predators said that they wanted to be under Andrew Burnett basically is Philip Tomasino's game. Take advantage of it and put yeah. the kid in in, in in a place to succeed. All right. Our final Nashville Predators preseason predictions coming up in just a second. We'll take a look at the entire Central Division. But if, in fact, you were a hockey player going through training camp for Andrew Burnett and you either needed to gain weight or lose weight, Jaspers has got something for you. I promise you. You could go in there and just drink beer and eat. That's probably not the right weight he'd be talking about. 
It's more like Matthias Ekholm carb loading, you know, just like lots of big, rich pastas. They've got they got all that at Jasper's as well. Uh, but you can get burgers and fries and sort of your traditional bar fare, uh, but in an elevated atmosphere and free parking and better sight lines and better vibes and bar games and all kinds of cool stuff. Or you can go in there and eat pretty healthy. They've got really healthy power bowls. They've got really healthy brunch on the weekends. Um, they've got all kinds of healthy stuff. Like I, there's one order. There's one item I get almost every other time I go shrimp and goodies. It's like spicy potato salad with like lettuce and shrimp and capers and avocado. And it is like, doesn't feel healthy at all. doesn't taste healthy at all, but it's genuinely healthy. So if you need to cut some pounds, you need to cut some weight, but you want to go watch the Preds. I don't know. Your spot to do it is Jasper's. I'm just saying, Philip. If you're listening, man, Jasper's, they'll babysit your kids. They'll help you lose weight. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're basically like your parents. Oh, I don't know if that's a good sales pitch. <laughs> Jasper's like your parents. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get to the, well, again, we'll give you our final predictions on the national predators coming up in just a minute, by the way, there as a tease for that, the Vegas points total over under for the national predators. 86 and a half this season. The last time the Nashville Predators were at were 86 points or below, under 86 points, under 88 points, honestly, in a full 82 game season was 2003. They have they've had at least 88 points in every full 82 game season since 2003. So 86 and a half, if you're, if you're gambling on the Preds, 86 and a half, that's a low number in my opinion. So that's crazy considering some of the teams they've had where you're looking at your top six of David Legwand and Martin Erats and I don't even know who else. They did have a losing season in 2013, which is the last losing record that they had, but that was a strike shortened year, I believe. So, um, or a work stoppage year. So they've had three, they've had three seasons where they had less points, but none of those three seasons were full 82 game seasons. So two and two of them. Under ironically, under Hines and half of Laviolette, Laviolette were actually productive winning records uh, that both made the playoffs. So, okay, that's a tease, and we'll give you our final picks coming up a little bit later on. Uh, quickly, uh, the Vegas odds to win the Central Division: Colorado plus one fifty, Dallas plus one sixty. Then there's a big jump down, drop off, I should say. Uh, not a big jump down. That'd be weird. Uh, Minnesota in third plus 650. So clearly a two-headed race to win the division, according to Vegas, Colorado, and Dallas. Of course, Colorado winning the division last year with 109 points. We'll get into both of those two teams. Winnipeg at fourth at plus 900. Nashville plus 1,800 at number five. St. Louis plus 3,000. And Arizona plus 7,500. And the Chicago Blackhawks, last place at plus 13,000 to win the central division. Now I want to just take a moment with that particular statistic. The Arizona Coyotes are plus 13,000 to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> so so Vegas what I want to get across here is that Vegas thinks Arizona's chances at winning the entire Stanley Cup. Just think about that sentence for a second. Are the same as the Chicago Blackhawks chances at winning the central division. Both extremely long shots, but I found that to be fascinating, which means they really do believe Arizona is going to be significantly better than Chicago this year, despite Connor Bedard and all the hype around uh, the number one overall pick going to Chicago. So that's yeah, the look, odds. Con- Connor Bedard's great. He can't he can't go out there and win games by himself. So and look, Arizona, I think will be improved. You you look at some of the players that they have coming in. Look, Logan Cooley, I know, is not as good as Connor Bedard. But but the drop off between him and Bedard isn't as probably big as some would lead you to believe. Clayton Keller's still really good there. I think Arizona is going to surprise some people this year. I don't know whether they'll finish above you know last place or whatever, but I think there's they'll surprise some people. Well, we can kind of start our preview at the bottom because it does feel like Chicago is is clearly at the bottom now. It's easy to hate this team for a number of reasons, um, but Corey Perry's on the team. That's another one to hate this hate this team. Connor Bedard, of course. Because uh, if you, you also, didn't hate the Blackhawks enough. Yeah. Uh, Seth Jones, though, maybe takes the sting out a little bit. You know that Taylor Hall is there, which is interesting. Uh, it does feel like a team that's just biding its time to continue adding assets the way it did when it when it drafted Kane and Taves. Uh, but we'll see. They're at the bottom. I do think you're right. Arizona could be sneaky difficult this year, in part because the rebuild is, t- is already fully underway. You mentioned Clayton uh, Keller. They're going to get Logan Cooley, who was the number two overall pick last year, into the lineup right away. And frankly... 
this is why I think Nashville's going to have a tough time this year. I, I mean, the goaltending in Arizona is not all that bad. Connor Ingram and company, like, they're not great, but they're not bad. And I think Arizona's going to win more games than people think. Oh, for sure. Karel Vejmelka, too, I think is, I believe, is their other their other goaltender, another former Nashville Predator, uh, <laughs> former prospect slash goaltender now. Um, and you just you kind of feel bad for for both of those guys because they see they saw an ungodly amount of shots last year. I think Vejmelka might have led the NHL or been close to it in shots seen per game. 18, 24, and six record, not good. The 90 save percentage, you know, not great. The 3.43 goals against average, not great. But you look at how bad that team was last year. They will be more improved. Clayton Keller, Logan Cooley, some of the dispersed scoring they have, I think I think they will be better. And the, and the goaltending, if it wasn't for the fact that they didn't have any forwards besides Clayton Keller in front of them going out and scoring and the defense wasn't that bad, Arizona wouldn't have been a, a terrible team to watch last year. I do think they're going to be better than Chicago. I think Chicago is probably going to be as bad as it gets this year. Um, no Taves, no Kane. It's just it's basically going to be the Connor Bedard show. Pretty much, they're going to call up some of these other prospects. I think they have like Kevin Korchinski and I don't know Reichel. I think I'm not even sure who who else they have. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be painful for for Chicago for at least the next year or two before they finally start Aww. some of those pieces finally start paying off. Which you know sucks. Nothing ever good ever happens to the Blackhawks, but I, I think Arizona is going to be dare I say fun to watch this year. I, I I'm dude. I'm kind of with you on this. Uh, so ESPN ranked all all 32 goalie rooms, right? Like the combos, right? Like one one and two. And number and 30, Chicago was last. And number 32 on the list was the Chicago Blackhawks. So therein lies the problem. Poor uh, Peter Mrazek. It seems like that guy just can't catch a break. No matter where he goes, he's on a team that sucks. So I think it's safe to say I am picking Chicago last. Are you picking any other team last? Or are you picking Chicago last? Oh no, Chicago is last. All right, we hate. There's you. No, there's no argument for anything to the contrary. We hate you, Chicago. Have a great year with your Connor Bedard jerseys. Okay, uh, let's go to the top then, because it that said, feel- I met Connor Bedard at the draft. Awesome young man, very sure. humble, nice guy. I hope he succeeds personally, but for the rest of the Blackhawks, eh. <laughs> I want to see Seth Jones do well, but not in a Blackhawks sweater. Uh, okay, so let's go to the top then, and let's start with our predictions there because it does feel like, again, a very clear two-horse race atop the division. According to Vegas, Colorado plus 150, Dallas plus 160, basically even odds to win the division, and then there's a pretty big drop-off to Minnesota and the rest of the division. We'll get to every single team in our final Preds predictions, but let's start at the top. Michael, who do you have winning the Central Division Championship? Yeah, I think it's... It's it's tough. It's almost kind of like splitting hairs between the Avalanche and the Stars, in my opinion. You look at last year, the Avalanche had 109 points. Dallas had 108. Dallas ended up going further in the playoffs. Colorado's going to be without Landeskog for pretty much the whole season this year, we think. Um, That's wild, too. Two two seasons? That's wild. Yeah, it, it's it's something... It's, it, it's a coin toss for me, basically. But I'm going to go with Colorado... For the simple fact that I think Colorado has a little bit more firepower. I think Colorado, it's just hard to bet against them. I also think, and this is, I know people thought I was trolling some people on Twitter with this. I think Ryan Johansson is going to have a really good season this year as the number two center, playing with a lot better players than he was playing with here. He he seems refreshed just from some of the videos I've seen from some of the, the Avalanche beat writers tweeting about him and talking about him and stuff. Um, you look at adding Jonathan Duran. I know he's kind of been a, a flop since he was taken third overall in the, in the draft that Seth Jones was taken in. But I, I feel like I feel like there's there's a lot of upside with with this Colorado team. So I would put them one, Dallas two, because. All right, go ahead. Um, well, I was going to say I agree with you. I, I would pick Colorado to win the division. Uh, I think there was a Stanley Cup hangover last year. I think there were way too many injuries. You mentioned Landeskog, but there was other injuries on that team as well. They had to replace Kadri. Like there was a lot going on on that team. And you, you always, when you come back after winning 16 games in the playoffs, it's almost always really, really hard to come back and replicate the same levels of energy, especially when your captain is out for the whole year. So I, I they still managed, oh, by the way, to win the division with 109 points. So they, they were pretty pissed off that they got bounced in the, in the first round by Seattle, pretty upset with their performance. I think Colorado comes back and wins the division. I, I, but I don't have a lot of questions. I think, again, we'll get to the, the goaltending in this division, which is absolutely insanely good. Colorado does of the of the quote unquote contenders. Colorado might have the biggest question marks in net, 
but they do kind of feel like they found their guy in uh I don't know how you say his last name, Alexander Gorgiev. <laughs> Something like that. I, I think I mispronounced that name uh, a yeah, few a few months ago when someone was jumping on me. I don't I don't know how to say it. Jo- Georgiev? I don't I'm not sure. Georgiev. Georgiev. <laughs> there you go. go no, I, I just think like to me, there's like a motivation factor here. And you mentioned Johansson. They got depth now. They got, I mean, I just, they, they got a ridiculous blue line. <laughs> like, I just think they got the experience. I think they win the division. I think the stars, my concern about Dallas is honestly, it's like, it's kind of like age. Like I, I it's can Suter keep doing it? Or is that is, is when is he dro- his drop off? Pavelski's 39. Like they got a lot of 32 and 33 and 34 year old guys. Uh, they do. They may have the best line in all of hockey in in the hints Pavelski and Robertson Robertson line. If Pavelski is on the ice, which he almost always seems to be, despite the fact that he's 112 years old. Yeah, and I, I think something. I think uh, an underrated part of that is adding Matt Duchesne. It, it also depends too. Are the stars going to play Matt Duchesne at center, or are they going to do what the Predators did the last two years and keep him at wing? Because I think it's blatantly obvious to everybody but Matt Duchesne he's better as a winger than he is as a center. So where they play him. What forward position they play him at, I think, is going to be key there. But I, I didn't like the buyout when Nashville bought him out. I think you wait another year if you're going to do that because he still had 20-plus goals last year. He had 40-something goals the year before that. I mean, the guy was finally starting to to figure it out while he was here. I think, he, I think he's got 30-goal potential. You add that on top of what Dallas already has with Ben and Sagan and Rope Hints and some of the other guys. Yeah. Um, they also have probably arguably the second-best goaltending in, in the division behind the Predators, I would say. And you look at, you mentioned ESPN's goaltending rankings. Four of the top six goaltending tandems belong to oh, the Central Division. You're, you're, you, you, you gave it all away. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think a reasonable NHL fan could probably figure that out anyway. But So, all right. So don't give everybody where the Nashville Predators rank because I want to I want to go through that list a little bit more specifically. But I do think that's the difference between Dallas and Colorado in the playoffs. And it actually, I think, I know this is going to sound boring, but I think my prediction is kind of similar to last year. Colorado wins the division. Dallas goes further in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think I think that's a reasonable assessment too, just because. How, how, how do I phrase this? I think I think Colorado is built to withstand the rigors of a regular season. I think Dallas is built to go into a playoff situation and start taking teams out series by series. If that makes sense. No, I agree, and I think Ottinger is the difference. He be- almost carried him to a Cup final last year, so. Yeah. Uh, to, as long as Ottinger is the same, I think Dallas has a better chance in the postseason. If Colorado had a goaltender like Ottinger or Saros or Hellebuck, even imagine how much more dangerous they would yeah. be. Well, that one of them could acquire Connor Hellebuck at the trade deadline. Uh, we'll get to Winnipeg in just a second. All right, who you got third? Uh, probably Minnesota, just because I, I don't think Winnipeg really improved at all. I don't think St. Louis really improved at all. Minnesota, 103 points last year. They still have Kaprizov. They have a really good goaltending situation as well. Just kind of hard for me to to bet against Minnesota at this point. Uh, here's some stats for you for Minnesota, just in in general, because again, they found their goaltender in Philip Gustafson. Uh, they still have Mark Andre Fleury, I believe, as well. Uh, they've been over 100 points in five of the last seven seasons in which we played 82 games. Um, and here's the other thing: they finished third place or better in five of the last seven seasons. Period. Which means that the consistency, while this team never feels like they're elite, it never feels like they can make a cup run. It feels like they still need some center depth. Like there's still questions about this team. They've got an elite superstar. They've got a nice checking line. They found like they, they feel like they found their goaltender who was extraordinary last year in terms of the advanced metrics. But like it feels like they're just a couple of pieces away from being a championship contender, but they don't have the cap space to go get it. So I would have Minnesota clearly at number three. There's a consistency factor there. Again, third place or better in five of the last seven. That's pretty impressive. And I, I don't I think it's pretty easy the top three to predict, which again, I, I haven't felt that way in this division in a while. Yeah, and they, they have solid defense too. Um, Brock Faber, Brodeen, Kalen Addison, some of those guys out there. They didn't really do too much in the offseason, uh, adding to their team, but I, I do think Pat Maroon adding him is is going to be uh, kind of an under the radar move that kind of pays dividends for them. I, I don't know if they're going to be 103 points good like they were last year, but I, I think they'll they'll be they'll be somewhere in that 95 to 102 point region, uh, easily good for third place in the Central. Yeah, uh, there you go. All right, this is the quick. This is the. 
Uh, Greg Wyshynski had Nashville Predators at number four in the division. I'm not agreeing with him. Do you agree with him? Are you picking the Nashville Predators to finish fourth? And the follow-up question would be, does fourth place in the division make the playoffs? I'm not picking them to finish fourth. However, I, I do think they're right there. And it might come down to the final two or three games of the season. I think I think the Jets go fourth, and I think Nashville goes fifth. So I, I've does got winning... I've I was got to say, say, do they make the playoffs in the fourth place and for, in the fourth spot? Maybe. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened, but who knows? Uh, here's the thing. And this gets right back to, okay, so we still have to talk about St. Louis. We talked a little bit about Arizona. St. Louis is in a very strange place. They just keep shooting off all their pieces from not geographically, but in the landscape. Of yeah, the exactly. Well, also strange geographically, um, <laughs> but like shooting off all their like cup winning pieces from 2019, except for the goaltender who like fans are very torn on in, in uh, Jordan Bennington. But what's interesting about, about, and, and they, they may score a bunch of goals and not be able to play any defense. So that could make them interesting. I, I would have St. Louis seven, Arizona six actually. And I think Arizona and Nashville are kind of fighting for that fifth spot, which is probably way too much credit for Arizona. But here's the problem. Number one, I don't think fourth place makes the playoffs in this division. I think the Pacific division is far deeper at the top. Uh, when you got Edmonton, Vegas, the Kings, Calgary, Seattle, Vancouver, I just think those are all potential playoff teams. And you can't go five or six deep with playoff teams in this division. That being said, ESPN has the Nashville goaltending room ranked third in the entire NHL. It has the Winnipeg goaltending room ranked fourth in the entire NHL. Dallas at fifth in the entire NHL, Minnesota sixth in the entire NHL, Colorado 12th, and we know how good they are, Arizona 18th, and then St. Louis at 26th and Chicago at 32. To me, what that says, not only is the division a very difficult grind night in and night out anyway, the, the, the thing that pushed me over the top to say I am not picking the National Predators to make the playoffs is the fact that a team that has goal scoring questions is going to have to go up against these level of goalies every single night. And that is a concern to me. If I'm playing all these divisional games against all these teams that have really good goaltending situations, that's a concern for me. If I'm a Nashville Predators fan already with questions about where this team is going to score. Remember they were fourth worst scoring offense in the NHL last year. And Johansson and Duchesne are not here anymore. I get that. And I understand that. And I think that's all very valid. But if you look at the Jets, the Predators and the Blues, because I feel like those are the three teams that could potentially be contending for for the number four spot in the division. Who did the Jets really add over the offseason? Can you name an impact free agent or a trade? No, maybe yeah, Gabe. They got, rid of some, they got rid of some guys. Yeah, maybe Gabe Velarde, but he's not on the level of Pierre-Luc Dubois right now. Give him a year or two and he might be. I think Velarde's still very raw. Um, but I wouldn't count on him to be a difference maker this year. The same thing with St. Louis. You can't really look to anyone on on the roster right now that you that they added in the offseason. Like, oh, they could be a difference maker. You look at the Predators, and I'm not I'm not overvaluing them just because I cover them. But Luke Shen, Gustav Nyquist, Ryan O'Reilly, Garyanov, the jury's still out on him and what he can really add. But you re-sign Carrier, um, you re-sign Cody Glass. Looking at that, just based off of the talent that left, Nashville probably had more leave than the other teams. But look at the talent that came in to replace them. I feel like the Predators are in a better spot. I, I don't really, I, I don't really know if you could say they improved more than they got rid of the pieces they got rid of this year. But I feel like just looking at the the pieces that are coming in, I think Nashville has improved more from that standpoint, which is why I would say I would put them right up there with with Winnipeg, and I would put them a, a notch ahead of where St. Louis is. I think they're both ahead of St. Louis. I think St. Louis is in this weird place where if things go wrong, they could go wrong quickly. I don't know about the defense. I mean, Winnipeg was three points better than Nashville last year. They won four more games, but here's the the, the gist of it. I mean, they scored 20 more goals than Nashville did last season. They lost Pierre-Luc Dubois. They lost Blake Wheeler. But But to me, this is, if Winnipeg is in the race, I think they are clearly more talented at the top in terms of goal scoring than the Predators. Because they still have Shifley, they still have Connors, they still have Ehlers, like they still have guys that are going to score a bunch of goals. Nashville, we don't know what those guys are. So even though they lost a few pieces, and oh, by the way, their goaltending is one of the few teams in the division or anywhere that you can say is as good in net as the Predators are. So I, I get the argument for Nashville. Here's the one caveat to that. If Winnipeg is not in the race near the deadline, Connor Hallibuck is an unrestricted free agent. So is Mark, Mark Shifley. If those two guys, if they're out of it and they want to quote unquote dive into a rebuild, 
they could certainly move those two pieces for a whole lot of assets if they wanted to do that. And if they do that, that's where Nashville has a chance to jump up. If they both play the entire season at relative full strength, I think Winnipeg's the better team. I would pick Winnipeg to finish ahead of them. Yeah, and I, I think one thing that can possibly get into get in Winnipeg's way, if you want, if you want to call it that, is the head coach Rick Bonus. I feel like is just kind of a, a wild card. I know he took, well, he didn't. It wasn't the whole season, but I know he was the coach of, of Dallas when they went really far a couple of years ago. Um, I'm not saying he's a bad coach by any means, but I feel like as old as he is and as long as he's been in the NHL, if he was going to be a John Cooper, if he was going to be a Peter Laviolette, one of those guys with name. Uh, star power, he would have done it by now. And that's not to say that Andrew Burnett has that because he's he's a first-year head coach. Obviously, what he did with the Panthers was really impressive. But if if Burnett can get the players to play the way he wants, we saw his system works. We saw his system actually works in Florida. Granted, they had better players. Sure. But I, th- I think the head coach could be one of the things that the Predators have in their favor over Winnipeg, over St. Louis. And again, I don't think St. Louis is really much of a factor here. But, but I, think, I do think you're right. And look, we say the same thing. If we if we say that the Predators can be in every game and have a chance to be in the playoffs because UC Saros is that good, we have to say the same thing about Connor Hellebuck. Yep, exactly. You might not think he's on the same level, and there might be a little bit of, of disparity between the two, but Connor Hellebuck is a multi-time Vezina finalist. The guy is one of the top five goalies in the in the world. If, if Saros can drag the Predators to the playoffs, Hellebuck can certainly drag the Jets to the playoffs. I, I totally agree. It's why I've got the Winnipeg Jets at four, Nashville at five. I've got Arizona six. Uh, this is a team that had 70 points last year. They were 28 and 40, I believe, with 14 ties. I think some of those ties turn into wins this year. I don't think they have a winning record, and I don't think they're truly challenging for fifth place. But I think that team's going to be much closer to Nashville than people think. Um, so I'm going to go Nashville five, Arizona six, St. Louis seven, Chicago eight. Here's what I would say. I'm not picking Nashville to make the playoffs officially, but I am picking them to have a winning record, and I absolutely would pick them and gamble on them to have more than 86 and a half points. I think Arizona is closer to like 80 points, you know, like 35, yeah. 35, 40, and nine or something like that. Something in the or 35, 40, and what, what's the math on that? Seven, I think is 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 something like that where they're they're kind of pushing 80 points, pushing a 500 record, but they're not quite there but they're young and fun and energetic and they build off each other and they grow and get better. I don't know where St. Louis is going. We know what Chicago's trying to do. And I think the Blues and Coyotes could switch places. Last year, St. Louis, 81 yeah. points, Arizona, 70. I, I think it's yeah. very possible they switch places. I think Arizona is a team on the rise. You add Logan Cooley into that, the offensive firepower that they're going to have over the next couple of years. I, I think it's a safe bet to say that they're, they're kind of coming out of the doldrums in the, in the Central Division. All right. So, uh, listen, I don't think... I think there are three teams in the central that make the playoffs. I think five come out of the Pacific. Are you, or do you, you've got Nashville finishing fifth. I'm assuming that's not a wild card spot. No, I, I have Nashville missing the playoffs, but not by much. I, I think it comes down to probably the final week or two of the season where we, where we know what the, what the, what's going to happen. And, and look, the Predators scored 92 points last year with as bad as a team as they had with, Carrier missing most of the year, Johansson getting injured, Forsberg, Yossi, all the injuries they had. They basically had an AHL roster for the last month of the season, and they still almost made the playoffs, and they had 92 points. I I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year, but don't count them out like everyone else is, or at least don't, don't put them behind the eight ball as much as everyone else is. I, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team this year. But it wouldn't surprise me if they were. I think they're they're right on the bubble. And I know it's frustrating because it feels like that's where they've been the last three years. But when you have a mediocre head coach, you're going to get mediocre results. I think that starts to change this year. We're going to know who's going to be on this team long term and who's going to be shipped off in the offseason pretty quickly, I think. 40, 32, and 10. That's my official prediction. Above 500 by eight games. That's 90 points. That's above 86 and a half points. That's what I would gamble on. I would take the over on 86, which by the way is minus 120 under minus 110. So there's not a lot of belief. I, I think the writers and analysts nationally on the NHL are far more bullish on the Predators than Vegas is. I don't know. What to, I don't know what to make of that, but I think I think they have a winning record. I think they finish over 86 and a half points, and I don't think they make the playoffs. I think 90 points, winning record, miss the playoffs. Young players develop. Let's go into year number two with Andrew Brunette. That's my official prediction. If that ruins your night, I, I'm sorry. I think it's the way to go. Take over on the points. Don't take them, take them to make the playoffs. Uh, also, if you look at to win the cup, the Colorado Avalanche are fifth. 
uh, overall at plus 1,000. Dallas is eighth at plus 1,400. And then Minnesota is 14th at plus 3,000. There's no other team in the Central that is in the top eight in the Western Conference. So they Vegas has a uh, top three very clearly in the Central Division. So uh, maybe I'm reading too much into that. Maybe I'm valuing what the folks in the desert think too much. Uh, and maybe that I'm guilty of that, but generally they build those pyramids at a solid goal because they're right, not because they're wrong. So I think Nashville's in it the entire season. They, they're in it most nights. UC Saros gives them a chance. Like you said, would not be surprised at all if they make the playoffs. Winning record, 90 points, missed the playoffs. I need you got my receipts now, everybody. This season's going to look a lot like last season, but with more younger players in the lineup and probably a more exciting hockey to watch. But the results are probably going to be about what they were last year. I think that's about I think that's about right. Uh, all right. We both have Colorado. We both have Dallas at two, Minnesota at three, Winnipeg four, Nashville five, which means none of it will be correct. Uh, all right. Where can you find where can people find your work and what you guys got going on uh, for you got anything special planned for opening night? I'm just I'm throwing you under the bus here on the spot. Uh, I'm sure we will. We have a lot of stuff we're kicking around. We were at camp today. Clay's going to have a story on Mark Del Geizo and kind of everything he's going on. Clay also, for those who don't know, speaks Russian. So he is trying to get get uh, get a story going with a Russian vibe with Trenin and Svechkov. I know he he's really fascinated by Fedor Svechkov, as are a lot of fans. There's not really a lot to go on to know about the guy. So we're hoping to have a story on him as well. Um, we're going to have a lot of stuff leading up to opening night. If you go on Nashville Hockey Now, we uh, Clay has a story on Barry Trotz and the potential and the promise of the the prospects going on. Story on Jeremy Lozon and where he kind of fits in than Nick did yesterday. I have a story on getting to know Samuel Fagimo and kind of what he brings. If you want to know what's going on with Carl Taylor and the Admirals, we have a story on that as well. You so Parson in everything. I, I don't think anyone else has done as many stories as we I, have in look, the last weeks. Look, there is nobody in this market covering the Nashville Predators that speaks Russian. I guarantee it. You're the only one. I guarantee. Oh, I don't speak Russian, but yeah, I'm saying that your 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 team does. Your team speaks Russian. And Nashville. It's hockey funny now, because because Clay Nashville walked in the now. locker room today and uh, he introduced himself to Guryanov and he's like, I already know you speak Russian, <laughs> so he's kind of got a little bit of a reputation. There you go. See, I mean, listen, there's not many guys in Nashville, Tennessee that speak Russian. Okay. Just if if anything, Clay should get a freaking medal for getting Yakov Trenin to say more than three words. I've never seen him talk as much as I saw him talk today. It sure it sure helps when you can speak in their language, though, man. That's just a normal thing. For does, every, yes. That's every that's every human being on the planet. So I'm not going to knock a guy for being more comfortable in his own native tongue. So no, I, um, I totally get it. And when the point a star- is Nashville hockey now, go to the website. We have stories on pretty much every player you could possibly want. We're going to have more stories over the weekend. We're probably probably going to have stories every day up until opening night. So you, go check out the website. You need a Russian tab, and then you can just track Askarov as well. Just get him in there. There you, so there you go. Yeah, you got plenty of Russian flavor in the farm system and on the big team. So there you go. Uh, go to Jasper's, of course. Go support local business. Great place to watch Preds games, home and road. Regular season starts on Tuesday. That's right, folks. The regular season for the NHL is here, and a brand new era of Nashville Predators hockey begins with a new GM, a new coach, and a whole lot of new faces in the lineup should be fun to watch and of course we are your home right here on the podcast app everywhere you get your podcast we do appreciate it gold standard please rate review and subscribe tell somebody about it if you're a preds fan and you hear about us help us you know write a review it, it does actually help people find the show uh and uh, listen if you want to uh if you want to support us that's how you can do it five stars right there and then go give uh, nashville hockey now a follow as well so at mg sports underscore you can follow mike there you can follow me at braden gall at 440 sports as well otherwise have a great final off-season weekend everybody we'll talk to you next week about an actual hockey game have a good one everybody <laughs> <laughs>